Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast on this episode. Derek Taylor gives us the full rundown of what he thought of Saturday's preseason win for the Blue Bombers over the Elks, who made an impact, who made an impression, who maybe didn't. And then Greg Taggart, manager of the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, on their first homestand of the season and hitting the road to face the best team in the American Association. That's all coming up on the podcast. On Saturday, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers went into Edmonton and beat the Elks. Does winning matter? What are the takeaways? Derek Taylor, voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, joins us now as he's done every night during training camp. Brought to you by Stars Air Ambulance, caring for Manitobans when and where you need us most. Derek, how did it feel to call a football game? Oh, it's great. It was great. Uh, th- this is a little behind-the-scenes thing. I'm I'm dialing in a new set of contact lenses because when you reach a certain age, anybody of that age, your ability to read things up close just goes to hell. So I'm dialing in new contact lenses, and I found myself squinting and trying to figure out: is that eight eight? Is that eight six? It was a real it, that that part was kind of a kind of a pain in the butt. I may have to return to my old contact lenses for Friday's game. What about binoculars? Are you a binoculars guy? Because I know some people are in the play-by-play business. Some people are. Uh, last year, I just found it with uh, with my regular eyesight. It was just it was just so much better. But then I started fiddling with my I, my my contacts. Binoculars would be good for the hey, there's a guy down in the field and it's partly obscured. Right. That's the one where I need to some you know dig out whatever box in the house here has the binoculars. But generally, I don't. Plus, I got uh, you've got eyes on the ground there, right? Which which helps me That's a true. ton. Up in the booth, so yeah. On home uh, games. I, well, yeah, half the way through. Road games, so, not yeah, so much. Yeah, no, I have to. I, I should dig those out because between Doug and I, we could certainly use that to go. We're a thousand miles from everything here in Montreal. We're trying to figure out what giant human from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers is injured all the way at the other ten yard line. Because some some stadiums, you're in a bad spot if you're the right. visiting ra- radio crew. All right, so let's go through the game and start with the first stringers. Are you surprised how much they played? I am, actually, because Zach Kolaris played nothing last season. None. Zip, zero, zilch, nada. So to see him get a quarter and uh, I guess about five minutes and then to see Drew Brown with the rest of the starting offense for the re- for basically the rest of the first half, I was surprised because I thought, oh, you know, just let these guys all take a break. I... My hypothesis is it comes down to how many bodies you actually had. Um, there, were, I mean, they only brought sixty-something players. So if you were just going to eliminate twenty-four of them off the top, that's that's less than a regular roster, right? So I guess you, I guess uh, you know you felt you had to get them sharp. Um, but yeah, I was I was surprised because you know the thing that the difference that Bombers have that no other team in the CFL has is a super elite quarterback in Zach Kolaris and. Oh, what if something freakish happens here? I always, I always worry about that a little bit, just because of the profound effect it would have. So I, I, I was, but I feel like they're all pretty happy for the experience they got. Brendan O'Leary Orange saw a ton of targets. Kenny Lawler showed his dominance over Edmonton's first team defensive backs. Johnny Augustine got a little taste of it. Uh, you know, the offensive line knows it has to clean up some stuff in the run game. So I think it's all, you know, probably for. I'm just going to say it's for the best because it was it was Coach O'Shea's decision, and, and he knows better what uh, what his team needs in that circumstance. But I was certainly surprised. We talked a lot about the battles going into this game the last couple of weeks. Let's start with the third-string quarterback battle, Tyrell Pigram with the long quarterback sprint. He had the quarterback sneak, a couple touchdowns. Uh, overall, 
You think he did enough to win that spot? I think he did. I'm curious to see what Josh Jones could do in a, in a second game that would uh, that would change uh, change things. Um, another one, and and Piggy T is he's known to reference it in the post game show, and we talked about it during the broadcast. He was taking, I believe, it was a seven man blitz from the Edmonton Elks, and he immediately knew where he should go. He happened to throw it, you know, a yard behind Jeremy Murphy on the crossing route, but. I left that play going, hey, he knows where to go. He'll he'll clean up the, you know, getting it on target. Because if he did, Murphy would have gone 15, 20, 30, 40 yards. But uh, there were there were many plays where I went, oh, yeah, okay. Pigram for his first uh, CFL experience, his first, you know, pro football preseason game experience. This looks pretty good. Uh, those runs, though, I mean, what what Josh Jones, the other quarterback, is going to have to do to overpower, you know, those runs, uh, it, it would have to be super impressive on Friday because that's the element that we've been talking about. You know, the Dakota Prukop element from last year, the the Strevolution element from years past of can you be a weapon in the run game and in the sneak game? And he was in both. All right. So is that it for offensive spots? Like, uh, I don't think there are any more. The line we know, the quarterback we know beyond him. We know the receivers, the running backs. It's just the third string quarterback, right? Yeah. It, well, we'll, we'll wonder if Jordan Salima, we saw him at running back number 25 for a little bit in that game. You wonder if a guy like that could potentially take a roster spot that say Greg McCray held last year. Uh, things like that. Is there somebody else? We still don't know about uh, Janarian Grant. Uh, he's on the suspended list still. Uh, when he'll be back, is there somebody who could fill in on that for a little bit? And yeah, is there is there another is Jeremy Murphy going to be the extra Canadian receiver uh, who sits on the practice roster for a little bit because he had some real nice plays in that game as well. But there's there's certainly not a lot. But I, I would be curious if perhaps one of the American running backs can uh, can stick around and, and bump Greg McRae. All right, let's get to the much anticipated conversation everyone's been tuned into, and that's punting. We have hey. Jamison Sheehan and Carl Schmitz made the trip. There were lots of punts. What did you see? Uh, Carl Schmitz in opposing territory was fantastic. He was almost perfect. Um, we we talked about during the broadcast, he bounces one inside the five. He does that thing where you drop the ball straight and you kick it end over end and you hope it spins back and out of bounds. It just snuck into the end zone or it was going to be the perfect punt. And then his other one, uh, he ends up pinning the guy to the sideline at something like the five-yard line turns into a massive return with some other stuff going on, but uh, Carl Schmitz in plus territory. And then he, he put his foot through one when he, when he didn't have to deal with the opposing end zone. I thought he was really good. I, I had no reason to think Jamison Sheehan wasn't good as well, but it, it was Schmitz with those, with those punts from Elks territory that really kind of caught my eye and went, okay, well he can, he can handle this part. If you're not, uh, if you're not going to be a long field goal kicking team, I don't, particularly see the Bombers as super aggressive on third and two and stuff. Plus territory punting could be, be a real big thing. And, and uh, you know, put one in the wind column there for for, for uh, Carl Schmitz. And what about Chandler Staten, a guy who's obviously fighting a, an uphill battle at the kicking position with Sergio Castillo, we all assume is probably the guy to get that. Did he do anything to, to help or hurt his cause? I I kind of don't know what he could do to, to unseat Sergio Castillo. I kind of feel like Let's. I, I kind of feel like if Castillo doesn't get hurt, Staten doesn't really have a chance to be the Bombers' kicker this year. Does he have a chance to be somebody else's kicker? Possibly. 
But Sergio Castillo, his track record for me is just just too long to to do anything about if you're a challenger. Okay, so we we don't know who's going to win the punting position though, probably until after this next game. Well, you got to figure Legio's got to get a chance, right? Yep. Mark Legio did, didn't travel. He was if you adjust for field position, he was fifth in the league in punting last year. So he's he's not a he's a good punter. He made special teams tackles. Uh, he uh, there was a game against Calgary in in Winnipeg where he have, he would have been obliterated by I think it was Charlie Moore coming hard off the edge and legs was you know conscious enough to see it and dance around it and you know try to get to the first down mark. So he's got some really good things about his game. I would hope he gets a chance to punt on Friday and we get a chance to see if perhaps he can keep that job because. Yeah, it's American Canadian or American Global. That's that's got to be how the Bombers will go with those positions. So, you know, for for Bombers, figure, fingers crossed, Legio gets a gets a shot at keeping his job. All right, well, stay tuned to that this week. On the defensive side of things, <laughs> there's more uh, available to some degree. Obviously, offense there's almost nothing. Defensive tackle. We talked about the line yeah. uh, over the course of last week. What did you see from the competitors looking for spots on that front four? Yeah, you notice Caleb Thomas, right? He uh, he blocked the game-winning field goal, and he had a sack as well, and he got praise from Willie Jefferson after the game. That's a real nice pickup because uh, a lot of guys just kind of – we let we finished the game and thought, did I see DeWan Cooper really apart from, you know, just lining up? Did I see much from Ricky Walker? Things like that. Um, Thomas made it, made an impact, so that was, that was good to see. And to, to the point Doug Brown made on the broadcast and since then, there just need to be more bodies. There just need to be more bodies to to rotate in at defensive end and to make an impact at defensive tackle. Granted, that game there was no Jake Thomas and there was uh, no Cameron Lawson, two guys who will be on the roster. I would presume every game they're healthy this year as Canadian defensive tackles. But yeah, there need to be more American, well, just rotational defensive end, defensive tackle bodies. So who's going to go? Thomas did his effort. Uh, who's going to go and, and try to claim one of those? Aaron Sterling. Uh, Joe Beckett, Keenan Agnew, who's gonna who's gonna show up? Uh, you know, really show up and show out on Friday when Saskatchewan probably brings that second and third teamers in. What do you think of Anthony Bennett? Uh, ooh, what do I remember from Anthony Bennett? That's probably He's, not a good I thing mean, if you have to say that. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it's it's activity, right? And a lot of that game is you're trying to process who's out there, who's who's where. I don't remember any big plays like you do with with Thomas. And is the, that and the one Saturn. that the coaches will uh, for you and I maybe not, but the coaches are watching the. That's one they they have to watch the film oh, to get an answer for. For sure, yeah. I suspect if if you asked O'Shea about it, he probably noticed a couple things live, but then he'll go back in and notice forty more things. Right. You know, was he in the right spot? He's that field side defensive end. How was he in, when he was asked to contain? How was he at, when he was asked to pass rush? Blah blah blah. Uh, yeah, for me, I don't remember a ton from Bennett, but uh, uh, he's just the 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 possibility of what he could be is 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 too great for me to be too worried about him. Right, of course. Uh, linebacking, anything stand out? Oh, Barrington Wade didn't look out of place in there with the first team. Uh, Brian Cole made a play. Uh, I mean, this is a, it's it's at a big hill plus one for the season. So Barrington Wade, I guess, would be a try to be a depth team and special teams player. And if, if Biggie's, you know, he's not practicing right now, if that's because he's injured and it's, he may not start the season, something in that vein, there may be some room for Barrington Wade to get some plays. So I don't think he looked out of place at all. And uh, 
Malik Clements is Malik Clements. That guy, that guy works hard. So yeah, he's may not always be in the right place hundred percent of the time, but that dude goes fast and has bad intentions. So yeah, linebackers to me seem seem just fine in that game. All it, right, maybe maybe some more stops in the run game, but that's that's the whole front six okay. right that that needs to be on. Yeah. And finally, as we round out all the positions on a football team, the defensive <laughs> backfield, the secondary. Uh, I, they went after Dietrich Nichols, and it didn't go real well for the Elks, so that's to be expected. Um, we didn't notice a ton from Brandon Alexander. We weren't sure if he would play. He did. It was good. Alden Darby was just attacking downhill, which I thought was was great. He made a stop. I believe it was Vincent Forbes Montblow. He got behind the line of scrimmage, uh, kind of a not-today play from him. So that was that was nice to see. Uh, Durami Soiree and Matt Cole, I noticed them more in the uh, – Cole obviously got the pass interference call. Uh, noticed them more in the return game and how they did there, but two guys who would certainly fit in. I'm, I'm just really curious because this one is going to come down to decision time from, from uh, GM Kyle Walters and, and the coaches of Winston Rose and Jamal Parker and Desmond Lawrence. Like, are all three of them keeping their starting jobs that they had in the Grey Cup? Is somebody else coming in? Can they keep Evan Holm off? Evan Holm had a real nice pass breakup early on and did good things in that game. So, yeah, how many of those guys are going to keep their jobs? How many of them are going to be able to play week one? And how many are going to lose their jobs because there's the potential of these younger guys? I, I'm really looking forward to that on Friday as well. All right, so to get you out of here, what are we thinking for tomorrow? What is going to be your focus as we begin this week leading into preseason week number two? Oh, that's a good question. We'll want to talk to Zach Kalaris about why he played so much. Kenny Lawler about him being the dominant pass interference force in the uh, so I can rerun that clip. You love I say, that so much. Oh well, Doug asked me that was that that was unbelievable. Doug says, "Who's going to be your pass interference guy?" I say Kenny Lawler, and then we the roll right into the play, and Kenny Lawler draws a pass interference at that exact moment. It was just perfection. It just couldn't have worked out better. Um, yeah, defensive tackle. I really kind of want to talk to Caleb Thomas and Ricky Walker. Uh, we've spoken to Keenan Agnew before, but but find out how Thomas, you know, felt about his performance and how Ricky Walker felt about his performance because these are the things that are kind of going to be decided by Saturday. Cuts have to come on Saturday, so there's not a whole lot of time left. Looking forward to all of it, Derek. Appreciate your time as always, and we'll talk to you again at this time tomorrow. Sounds good, brother. Winnipeg Gold Eyes are off tonight ahead of the start of a six-game road trip that begins tomorrow against the top dogs of the American Association, and that would be the Chicago Docks. The Fish are 8-7 and seven on the season after dropping four of their first six games on the road, went 6-3 and three at home, taking two of three from the Lake Country Dockhounds and the two of three from the Kane County Cougars and two of three from the Sioux Falls Canaries. This afternoon, I connected with Goldeyes manager Greg Tagger to chat about the season so far, and we started with his thoughts on how he feels things went on that first home stand of the season. Well, Christian, we'll, we'll take six and three every step of the way for the rest of the way, um, home and road. Uh, you know, the idea is to to win series. Uh, you know, that's uh, one of the old cliches, of course, in baseball, but that's the way the schedule's structured, and and uh, you know, we did a nice job. And really I, what I was uh, thrilled about was the ability to win the series yesterday after dropping the first game against Sioux Falls on Friday night. You know, a, a nice win on Saturday. But yesterday's game, probably from a fan standpoint and and uh, the kind for the manager, for myself, uh, 
the kind of game that I hope the fans enjoyed. It was a, a wonderful baseball game with great pitching, some highlights on defense and, and some things with the bat that um, all around a good game. But, you know, just a, just a great end to the homestand yesterday. A lot of tight games uh, that you've been able to, to pull out wins and a couple walk-offs against Kane County as well. What does it do for a team to, to pull out tight wins this early in the season? Well, appreciate that's a, you know, to your point there, it, it gives you all the confidence in the world because the third night against Kane County, we made a little run at it and you could sense the confidence in the club that it was going to happen again. And that's, that's all you can ask for from managers that your club is engaged all the way till the end, that they believe they're in the fight. They believe they can still win a ball game. And, you know, the score, it wasn't a one run game, but we had the sense with a couple of things we did late. And I think it, it parlayed itself from those previous two nights. So, you know, and hopefully that can continue on the road. It's a little different story. And, you know, we're going to match up against the very hot Chicago dogs club that uh, is coming off um, something you don't see very often, taking five of six in one of these odd six-game series that the, that the league, you know, now plays a little bit with the Cleveland situation. And, um, you know, they took five of six uh, from a good Cleveland club, and so we've got to work on cut out for us the next few days. Now, for those who don't know about the Cleburne situation, I see in July you have a six-game uh, homestand against Cleburne. Uh, what is that about? Yes, uh, you know, and, and I think from our side, you know, I and mean, not being in the league last year, Christian, what they had done was really for the for the divisional clubs, the division clubs go down to Cleburne for a six-game series. Cleburne returned for either a three or four traditional series. But in our case, in Fargo's case, this year, from what I understand through Andrew, is that, um, you know, we flipped – this year, Cleburne comes to our place for six. Fargo will go their place for six, and we'll switch it up in the future. And I think that's the way they they want to see how that works to cut down on a little bit of the just the travel for the three games. You know, especially the advent over the last few years without a second somewhat partner team down in Texas for the railroaders. Just a long way to go to play one team is is the point, right? I, I think that's exactly what the consensus was, is that, you know, you go down there and if you just play a three or four game series, you got to go somewhere back up, you know, or it's a, it's an up and back trip, those kind of things. So, you know, we'll see how it works. I, I don't know if I'm a fan of the six game series, to be honest with you. It seems like a lot against one club. This will be a first for me to do it that way. Um, you know, back in some of the older, you know, Northern League days, but, you know, there was the occasional five game series. Uh, we'll see how it goes, but we're a little ways away from that. I think we actually have two of those this year against Kansas City and Cleburne. Yeah, you got that Cleburne one heading into the All-Star break in mid-July. But more immediately, as you mentioned, the Chicago Dogs off to a fantastic start, 11-4. and They've got the best record in the American Association so far. What what do you have to do to, to slow that down going into these next three games? You know, um, they have been playing extremely well from from every side. They went and added some veteran players uh, into the mix. Uh, you know, really what you have to do in this league all the time is, you know, your veteran players have to be complemented by 
you know, a few guys that are like our situation with Jason Cruz and, and Andy Armstrong and Ben Martinez, you've got to compliment from both sides with the experience and, you know, some of the, you know, I guess newer players to our league are less experienced, but they've done a great job from that. And they've got what every club wants is good starting pitching. And that's been the difference for them. So we're going to face their number one guy tomorrow, Jake Dahlberg, who, you know, I'm very familiar with not only from his association days, he was in double A with the giants last year, you know, a very good arm for them. And so it'll be a good challenge for us. And then one of those things that Christian, you know, as we continue to, you know, for me, you know, still finding out, we, we want to find out as much about our club as possible. And so that's the best thing you can ask for is, is to have that kind of challenge at this time of the year. Who have been uh, some of the standouts in your eyes so far this season in your first 15? Well, the story uh, seems to be uh, our young leadoff center, third baseman, Jason Cruz. Um, you know, out of Aruba, we had signed him out of Division II school in Quincy. You know, the the word was throughout his, even his uh, youth time and, and growing up in the situation he did, you know, playing baseball street, that this young man could hit. Well, he is not disappointed on that aspect. He's also turned himself into a, a so far, a pretty good third baseman, having been a second baseman in college. But we knew in spring training we needed to find a place for him. We've asked him to settle in at third. He has. Um, I don't expect what we've seen, you know, to continue. Uh, he's been on a, a tear yesterday, I think, three for three. Just when I thought it wasn't going to continue after Saturday night, he uh, proved me wrong. So I, I'm going to keep saying that in hopes that he keeps doing it. But uh, he's been outstanding. Andy Armstrong and Bryn Martinez in the middle. Um, Andy uh, at shortstop, you know, and I, I know there's a couple good ones throughout the league. I obviously haven't seen them all. But having had shortstops in my career over the 25, 26 years, what I've seen through the first 15 games, he's been outstanding at short. And some of the outfield play, if, if anybody's been to some of the games this week in Winnipeg and, and the fans, when well, we've seen Javion Williams doing the outfield, you know, three or four catches that are sh- nothing short of amazing. And, and I will assure anybody that there wasn't better plays made in the big leagues this week than, than Javion made in the outfield. So we've had the uh, good fortune of seeing some of that, some good pitching, you know, sporadic as you might expect at this time of the year. There's some things we're, we're far from a perfect ball club, um, you know, from the pitching side, you know, we've struggled with the strike zone, commanding those things. That's what Luis Ramirez, you know, showed what an ace could do yesterday when we had to switch him up a little bit. We used an opener, Luis in essence through a complete game, you know, finishing the game and closing it out himself, but we need to get more consistent pitching. I think that would probably be the refrain from every manager in the game of baseball you know, every day of the season, but that's really the key. A little bit more production. We got bit by the injury bug a little bit over the weekend, you know, so we're trying to uh, solidify some things in that area. One of the big stories heading into the season as well was the return of Max Murphy from the broken leg he suffered last year. Uh, what have you thought of, of his performance in this first 15 games as he kind of reacclimates to, to baseball? Well, you said it just right there. He's having to reacclimate, and and not that he's forgotten how to play the game, but when you come off an injury, you know, as um, disheartening as that one was, and as you know, tough as it was to overcome, you know, the first thing was how impressed I was 
in spring training when he was ready. And, and you know, we've um, played it cautiously up until this uh, last series. He played all three games in right field. We've DH'd him, you know, off and on just to give it some rest so he's not on his feet too long. Um, the bat has shown some signs of coming around. You know, I think Max has you know, been a little bit of a slow starter in his career, which is happens with a lot of players like Max, guys who have the ability to hit the ball out of the park. You know, I think you see some of those things come a little later on. He's had some wonderful bats, gives us that presence in the lineup, but really the story is how well he has come back from that injury and all the credit goes to him. Yeah, striking out 15 times so far, but, uh, I mean, again, it's going to take a bit getting back into things. Uh, another player to keep an eye on the batting here, leading the team in RBI so far is Jacob Bockley. Tell us more about him. Yes, Jacob Bockley. Uh, you know, we acquired him in a trade. You know, we were probably a, a little different than the Cleburne Club. They wanted a little bit more of a veteran presence of you know, the corner. Jacob was a catcher for them last year. You know, we already had our catching situation solidified. You know, so we pursued the deal with Jacob. I was familiar with him from the actually from the twenty one pandemic season. Uh not so much the pandemic season, but when players had to be loaned out, so to speak. Um, you know, during twenty one and Jacob got a little taste of the American Association. Had a nice year for Cleburne, but the background showed us that hey, this is a good young player who's got a little experience. He's got a taste of the league. Did a nice job on a on a playoff club last year. We threw him right in the fire and said, hey, you know, we think we've got something here. He's really started to adapt to playing first base now. He brings his catcher's bug. He shows me every day that he's still capable of catching. But we've got him at first base for the most part. And he has really been a highlight in terms of driving in runs and something that hits behind Max in the order gives Max a little protection. Our job now is to find somebody to protect Jacob a little bit. I know that phrase may be a little overrated in baseball, protection in the order. What that means to me is having somebody else, you know, not to put the pressure on Jacob every time to get something down. So when you can have that three, four, five part of the order, be able to give you some production, it helps each other out. And and that's really, I think, for me, what protection means. But, you know, Jacob has been outstanding, has had some huge hits, especially that King County series you talked about. 15 RBI and batting 277 so far. Pretty solid start to the season for him. Uh, Greg, appreciate you checking in. Thanks for this, and good luck as we continue through the season here. Thank you. That is Greg Taggart. He is the manager of the Winnipeg Gold Eyes. 